Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk, producer and host of the Public Relations Review podcast. When I conceived this program, my idea was to provide public relations practitioners with a wide variety of solid, useful information and guidance from public relations professionals across America. And we are doing that. I will continue to cover important topics such as crisis communications and artificial intelligence and other such important topics. But I will also address other issues such as diversity in public relations, marketing to women, public relations trends, various data concerns, and much more. From time to time, I will also invite vendors of public relations products on to help you better understand how these products can improve your efficiency and your effectiveness. You will learn a lot from our podcast, so thank you for listening, and please inform your colleagues about the Public Relations Review podcast and continue listening. Thank you so very much. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Hello, and welcome again to Public Relations Review. Several years ago, influencer marketing was barely a topic of conversation in the public relations universe. Now, according to Google Trends for all categories in the last year, interest in influencer marketing catapulted from about 47% in mid-May 2018 to 100% the last week of February 2019, then dropped off to 68% the second week of May 2019. So those who might be thinking of hiring an influencer marketing, my guest today suggests that you should listen to and perhaps heed her warnings before you take that particular plunge. Joining the program today from Miami, Florida is Lena Katz. Lena is the head of Valuable Content, where she is a development producer, writer, and casting producer. In addition, she also has deals for branding with such organizations as Hormel Foods, AAA Travel, Carnival Cruises, and MGM Resorts, to name a few. Lena, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Peter. It's nice to be here. Now, with your experience in influencer marketing, you mentioned, and uh, let's perhaps uh, identify some of the cautions that you're giving people that, one, if they're going to hire a person as an influencer marketing, not to expect direct sales from them. Yes, that is one of the biggest misconceptions that businesses have when they first look at dabbling in influencer marketing. They do it because they think that there's some sort of way to directly convert sales and to create a formula for measuring what the conversion rate is going to be based on the number of followers that an influencer has or based on the number of engagements. And unfortunately, there's no direct correlation that you can make. You can you could see an influencer that might have 15,000 followers and they might get three sales. And so based on that, if you're a small business that, does, that is strictly e-commerce, you might say, okay, I'm going to hire an influencer with 150,000 followers and they're going to give me 30 sales. They're going to generate 30 sales using the same formula. And they could end up generating zero. And that is really disappointing to a lot of brands, especially when they start paying influencers 
based on a follower count, which up till recently was the standard formula for calculating rates that you were going to pay. So they would say, okay, I'm going to pay an influencer with 500,000 followers. I'm going to pay them $5,000 a post. And they would expect a certain amount of sales. And there's absolutely no guarantee that you're going to get them. And what the influencer or what their agent would say is, oh, well, this is more of a brand awareness type of thing. You can't necessarily calculate the number of sales you're going to get. You know, and then they will say, oh, well, maybe it's because your brand just wasn't a fit with the audience. And obviously, that's a really disappointing thing for a brand to hear. But truly, it doesn't necessarily have to do anything with the brand not resonating with an audience or with the brand not putting enough effort into the into the campaign. It could very well be that the influencer's followers are all bots or 50% bots. It could be that they were um, purchased in bulk, you know, from an app and that they're all accounts that are running in Southeast Asia and there's nobody at the wheel. It could be that this influencer has been active in a lot of pods, engagement pods with other influencers and that all of those followers are just other wannabe influencers and that they're not going to buy anything. That's not what they're there for. They're just there to cross promote each other. So there's a lot of these factors at play and a brand walking in wouldn't necessarily know any of that just from looking at the follower count. So they might expect if I put in this amount of spend, I'm going to get this back. And it's just not the case. So a lot of the reason that brands are gravitating toward so-called micro-influencer campaigns, it's not that those followers are necessarily more engaged. It's that they're probably real. So if a, if a person only has 6,000 followers, they probably haven't purchased most of those followers. So 6,000 real followers is, might get you just as much results as 500,000 inactive or fake followers. So they always like to say that it's Wild West influencer marketing. It's really not. You just have to look at different metrics than the follower count to try to assess what the actual effectiveness of the influencer is going to be. But yes, the bottom line is you can very, very rarely draw a, draw a parallel between somebody's follower count and the, the number of sales they're going to be able to generate. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the other points that you do make is that follower numbers uh, and engagements really are not helpful uh, measurement tools. But you do mention here that I think it's important that most platforms and agencies are not going to help you keep their costs down. Choose real influences. That's correct. Any agency, for the most part, will charge a markup on the services. And that, in this case, means they're going to charge a markup over and above what you pay per influencer. And so it's in their best inf- interest. It is in their best interest to keep the, the rates as high as they can. Because if they get a markup on $5,000 and they're charging 15%, that's better than if they were charging 1000 So for most agencies, it's better to not look into the numbers too much and try to negotiate down. It's better for them to say, okay, this is what you charge and this is what we're going to tell the client plus 15%. That's not how all of them do it. I don't do that. I act more as a procurement specialist working on behalf of the brand and I go in and negotiate to get it down to the brand's budget. Um, And there are others who do that. You just need to have a candid conversation with whoever you're looking at hiring and say, I need you to be mindful of my budget and be on my side. 
And most agencies or most uh, influencer agencies are not going to do that because they're representing they're representing the influencers and they make their money off of the influencers. And the platforms, they're interesting because in some cases they do keep the cost down for the brand, but that doesn't mean they're paying fair rates to the influencers. In many cases, they're paying just a few dollars or even less. They're doing product, product exchanges and um, what you're going to get is influencers who are willing to create content for almost nothing. And so these are people who probably don't take it that seriously. They're probably not full-time content creators. They're probably just in it for the free samples. And also, um, if you're paying somebody $25 to, say, let's create three posts and post them on their social channels, that is some work. It's not a lot of work. But you're going to get what you pay for, which is usually not great quality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people look at platforms as the alternative to using agencies because they can be cheaper and you can do things at scale. But what they don't realize is there's typically very little oversight on those campaigns. There's not a lot of thought about the quality and they are less likely than anything to generate any kind of measurable results. Well, getting back to the accounts again, you also mentioned that true follower count and published follower count are not in sync. Explain the difference between the two and what causes them to not be in sync. Well, published follower count can be can a published follower count doesn't reflect the active real followers. And I don't know that it ever will. For as diligent as Facebook and Instagram try to be in terms of deleting bot accounts, every time they do a sweep or, or shut down a, a bot farm, another one pops up in its place. So most people have a certain amount of fake followers. And I think there's, you know, there's programs like, you know, fake follower programs that there are apps or little tools that claim to be able to audit the followers on a person's account and show which percentage of them are real. Typically, the ones that do it for free, they can give you some sort of an idea, but not much of one really. And they do it by, they look for certain indicators that this is a ghost account. So, for example, if the account is following 500 people, but nobody's following that account and they don't have any posts, that's the indicator that it's a, it's a bot account. So there's tools that can sort of gauge that. But in order to do it really precisely, you're going to have to use one of the tools that are out there like Clear or hyper that, you know, that's software that they put a lot into that are analyzing lots and lots of data points to try to figure out which of these accounts are real. And those services typically cost around $2,000 a month. So if you're a huge brand that's looking at putting six figures behind an influencer marketing campaign, it's worth it to be a member of one of those services because you can run an audit on every single candidate before you decide whether to hire them. But for most companies that are only looking at spending a few thousand dollars a month on influencer marketing, it sort of nets out, do you spend all of this on the on the auditing tool or do you try to audit the influencers by hand and ask them some questions, ask for their analytics, you know, from the platforms directly and just try to figure it out yourself. And so it's, it's kind of tricky for a smaller or a mid-sized business because there's honestly no 100% effective way to tell somebody's vanity metrics is what they're called, those public-facing follower counts versus 
what's really going on. And I think the best way to calculate reach for Facebook is just to ask for the Facebook analytics. How many people did your post reach on Facebook, you know, the last three times? And you can get those. You know, anyone who runs a business account on Facebook knows that. And then ask for the Instagram analytics as well. Those can be doctored. People sometimes Photoshop those. But if they're not, if you're getting them directly from the platform, then that's an accurate, you know, that's an accurate sort of assessment. And so you would look at post reach, like what reach did the last four posts get? And if they got, let's say, 15% of the number of followers, that's pretty much the active audience. 15% of the follower count is who's seen the post. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, it certainly does because it is also one of the things you'd mentioned earlier in the, of a, a person's true active followers, only a small percentage actually see those posts. And uh, you also suggest that platforms can again tap into the Instagram API and that an individual should ask their vendors how they're utilizing this in the best, in the, your particular best interest. So when you exactly. covered those, uh, I think, very well. So Thank you. Another thing you'd, you'd also... So- well, yes, the best thing that a brand can do is say, I want to see, you know, I want to see the results directly from the Instagram API, from the Facebook, from from that. And I don't, you know, and, and a lot of um, influencers and agencies will try to avoid sharing that. They'll give you a nice, fancy report instead. It says, here's the number of engagements we got. Here's the total amount of potential reach. Well, potential just means here's all, again, here's all of the public follower accounts. We tally them up and we put some sort of multiplier on it. But yeah, showing the real analytics from directly from the platform is the best way. That is what people should be asking for. And unfortunately, there usually just is a lot of back and forth around it where the agency or influencer doesn't want to share it because you might see this person with 100,000 followers got 38 engagements, you know, on Facebook and maybe under 100 views. And that's terrible. And they can complain all they want and say, oh, you know, Facebook is stifling my reach or Instagram is not letting my, you know, I'm not letting my followers see my posts. Well, we don't know that. That could be organically the number of people that are interested. What I'm getting from this is that those wanting to hire an influencer really need to know what they're doing. Because if they think it's just a matter of, as you said, someone having a large following, that that's going, they're going to reap tremendous benefits from that but there's no way to substantiate what their results have been, they could get themselves into some deep financial trouble. I don't think that those who hire influencers necessarily really need to have, you don't need to have, for an example, a degree in it by any means. It's not rocket science. There are certain things you need to do in order to protect yourself as a brand if you're going to hire influencers. First and foremost, you do need to go beyond the follower and engagement numbers. You absolutely have to do that. And it makes it harder, but you absolutely have to for every single one of them. You have to say, I want to see post reach on your last four posts. Just something simple like that. Um, And the ones that are legit, we'll, we'll give it to you. Secondly, you have to create some KPIs beyond just engagements before you go into the program. And for many companies, they want to see direct sales or they want to see some sort of conversion that will, you know, ultimately get new people into the funnel. So if you can't, if you know, if, if direct sales is like your pie in the sky, but you're going to be realistic and say, maybe that's not going to happen, then what else is it going to be? Are you going to generate, you know, a, a unique link that's trackable and you're going to be tracking click through to your site? 
are you going to be doing coupon codes and sort of seeing if people at least capture the coupon codes and maybe come in and sign up for a newsletter or or sign up for membership to your site so that they can use the discount code later. Sometimes, like, hotels will just track number of people that visited their uh, registration. Uh, you would ask me, what does somebody need to do to protect themselves um, and to make sure that they're going to get value out of an influencer marketing campaign? They really need to know what they're doing. And I say no. Um, they don't really, really need to know what they're doing. They just need to know enough sort of basic protective measures and things to ask for that, you know, that not an agency nor the influencers themselves are going to be sort of running rampant knowing that there's no oversight. So the key things for a brand or for a company owner to look out for in terms of oversight is A, yes, you have to go beyond the follower counts and the, um, the so-called engagements, both of which can be bought very, very easily, mm -hmm. instantaneously. So you have to look at other things. So we've already said um, you ask for their their insights direct from the platform. And, you know, Facebook and Instagram allow you to sort of connect with people who are going to be your partners for a campaign and see them directly. You would also ask for them from Pinterest. YouTube also has a faker problem. They have a they have serious issues with fake traffic. The thing with both Pinterest and YouTube is they actually, you know, they are connected with Google and they actually, they rank and they will convert straight through to your website, which is why a lot of people use Pinterest and why a lot of people, you know, create sort of keyworded caption copy and put it in YouTube. It's not just to explain to viewers what the video is, it's mm. to explain to the algorithm. So... Both of those social platforms convert a lot more easily than Instagram does. Instagram is the worst. Facebook used to be pretty good, but they're, they really are suppressing organic traffic. And so, you know, everybody has issues figuring out what their Facebook strategy is going to be these days. And Twitter also converts. Instagram is the hardest, and that's why so many people are so frustrated with it, because you have this extremely active platform where people are getting millions of engagements and views if they're popular. And like I said, you know, people get really excited about that and they think those millions of views, if I engage this influencer, they're going to be my million views and then nothing happens. So that's why you have to get the insights ahead of time. But that's also why you have to create your KPIs for your, for your campaign. And so are you going to have that? Are you going to create a customized landing page. And if you do, you have to make sure to tell the influencer, here's the link. For as long as you're running the campaign, this needs to be the link in your bio. You can also, as a brand, some brands now can sell product direct, directly from Instagram. You know, So are you going to tell the influencer, you're trying to drive traffic to my Instagram page where people can buy directly. They can buy that product directly from my page. So you have to create whatever they might be. And it might be just, we're trying to get, we're trying to capture email addresses, you know, for our database that will receive our mailings and our, our newsletters and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But you have to know what those are. You have to communicate them with the influencer upfront before the campaign. You know, they need to know exactly what they're going to be, need to deliver and sort of what the review points are going to be. And 
are you going to get content approval ahead of time or do you not really care? You're going to leave it up to the influencer. So all those things need to be spelled out ahead of time. They need to be in a contract, especially if this is a paid campaign and you just have to monitor it closely. You have to, and you have to be upfront with your expectations. And usually if that is the case, the most influencers will follow through. They'll do their best to at least give you the deliverables that are, are in their control, whether they'll be able to deliver engagements or, or sorry, whether they'll be able to deliver the kind of, you know, trackable KPIs and results that you want is a different story. But I will tell you, for example, for a fashion client who was, we were really struggling to find fashion influencers that could deliver sales. We went another route because they sell a lot of wedding dresses and wedding party dresses mm-hmm. that people would either wear to someone else's wedding or they would wear it for their for their engagement shoot or whatever. So we partnered with a wedding photographer and with a wedding photographer that had a good sized following from micro influencers. They have ten or twelve thousand that's huge. But she she done a promotion of her photography business and she uses so mm. So, what was, so we partnered up with a wedding photographer. We gave her a certain amount of store credit. She was happy with that because she wasn't looking to make any money off of this partnership, but it was good for her to be able to, to give that credit to a model. The model then used the credit to buy some clothing for a photo shoot, and the photographer and the model did the shoot with the clothing, they both got value out of it. The model got prints for her portfolio, and so did the photographer. And then we gave her another amount of credit to do a giveaway to potential customers who were visiting her site and looking at her wedding photos and trying to decide whether to book her for a photo shoot. So she offered X amount of credit if the people that were looking would sign up for our newsletter, sign up for my client's newsletter. And we generated hundreds of signups that way. Because these were legitimately, you know, they were newly engaged or people who were planning photos or attending a wedding, and they were really shopping. They weren't looking at a so-called style influencer to try to get inspiration, but they were looking at this, you know, these photos of brides and bridal parties that they really liked and trying mm-hmm. to figure out, okay, you know. And so, even though she isn't a person that's actually selling fashion, she was selling something that was related and like bridal fashion is a huge part of what she does and is in every single image. And so that worked out really, really well. And we weren't tracking direct sales from that partnership. We were tracking email captures and, you know, people that were visiting the site and could, could potentially become customers later and that were in the market for some sort of, you know, to buy some new dresses, whether it was to attend a wedding or to, to stage their food. So, that worked very well for what we wanted. And, you know, so that's leading into something else that I always say is when you're planning these campaigns, look for somebody that has an expertise that is in some way related to your brand. If it's not direct, look for something that is that has overlap, right? So it would seem like if you're wanting to promote an fashion boutique that you would want style influencers. Well, they weren't working out. They were not generating anything because none of their so-called following or engagement was authentic. So we started looking at 
other, you know, lifestyle experts that were genuinely expert, that genuinely had a job doing something that needed to promote their own business. Mm -hmm. And we went across, you know, we went through that way instead and that worked out better. So that, that is what I always, I always tell brands, you know, look for somebody that's genuinely expert in a job that is genuinely trying to make money at that job, whether they make a product, whether they are a chef, whether they're an athlete, you know, just somebody that's really doing something and is known for doing that thing. Um, I hire a lot of military and first responder and veteran influencers, and they typically have a following that's really interested in what they're doing, whether they own a gym now or whether they're still active duty or whether they've got their own startup, you know, those people generally, those people generally are working very hard at something and they're, they are experts in at least one thing, possibly trying to have an expert in another thing. And they're not looking to just be Instagram famous. So that is the most important thing I can say, like stay away from the ones who are just Instagram famous. If you look at a person, even if they have, Two million followers on Instagram. If they're a ghost outside Instagram and they don't do anything at all except pose in cute outfits, your chances of finding any kind of success with them in the real world mm-hmm. are very low. Well, uh, Lena, let me say that uh, you have provided us with some very, very insightful information today, and I really, really appreciate it. And uh, if you have a, a closing thing that you think all of our listeners should uh, should hear, we'd certainly like to hear that. Sure. I think if you're going to spend money on an influencer campaign, it's just as viable of an option as spending it on a traditional advertising campaign or PR campaign. As long as you have your goals, your benchmarks, and your KPIs set out ahead of time, I think it's a good idea to give it a shot. But what I would say is if this is your money, you need to be providing oversight yourself and not expecting an agency or a platform to do it for you, mm-hmm. maybe use an agency, sure. But then say, I want to speak, you know, I want to Skype with each influencer before I choose. And I want to figure out who's really the best fit for me. Or, sure, you know, I'm going to look at 10 influencers that the agency has provided, but I need to, each of them to pitch me beforehand and tell me what they would do for, you know, this 2000 or $5,000 fee. So, you know, it's your money and you're the one at the end of the day who is either going to find success for your business or you're going to take a hit. So be hands-on, be vigilant, go beyond just that follower engagement number, and don't expect anyone is going to handle it for you, but really work with, with agencies and or consultants and or influencers that will that will have a real conversation with you that will deliver you. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate that. Again, Lena Katz, thank you so much for uh, joining the uh, public relations review.